or least True Opinion Podcast Hey y'all, welcome to this episode of the True Opinion Podcast. I'm your host, Adontis, and this week we're continuing talking about Harry Potter and getting into some relationships and kind of taking a fresh look and giving a new perspective to the characters and how they relate to each other. And I want to talk about Cursed Child because... I think Cursed Child, listen, please don't turn this off. Just listen. My problem with Cursed Child is like the story, it's like real, like, come on, this, what are y'all talking about? An extra time turner and all that stuff, like a few bit of spoilers if you haven't read it. But like, that is kind of my issue with it. Like, Voldemort got a daughter all of a sudden, like, Fucking Amos Diggory's, you know, like, it was a lot. It was really a lot. But there are some things that I think Cursed Child did well. And they are sneaky things. And, like, I really need y'all to trust me, to come on this journey with me, hold my hand and walk with me, if you will, as we talk about this stuff, okay? Like, for real, it's going to be worth your while to listen. I promise, okay? So, let's just get into it. I think that a very important relationship that we need to talk about in Cursed Child is, of course, Harry and his son, Al. Albus Severus. And this relationship really had, like, the fandom up in an uproar, like people hated it or whatever, because there was a lot of strife, um, a lot of just, I don't even know what to really call it. Like, I think I need to read the book again and maybe a third time to, yeah, I only read it once. I don't care. I only read it once. I read it once. Maybe I read it twice. No, nah, I think, no, I think I read it twice because I was like, did I just read what I think I read? Let me see again. And I was like, yep, I did. All right, so I need to read it another time. And then perhaps a time after that. So I can kind of like really get a feel for what was going on between Harry and his son. Because it was just like, their relationship was so fucking dysfunctional. It was so dysfunctional. So Albus Severus was his name. Harry, side note, has this thing about like naming his kids after every person that's ever meant anything to him in his life, which, okay. But also it's like, bro, like, naming your kid Severus anything, like, Snape hated you. And he would not have cared. He would have preferred that you did not name your kid after him because, like, Snape was not doing anything that he really did. Like, Harry definitely uh, was... He definitely benefited from the things that Snape did. But Snape was not doing it specifically for Harry. He was doing it because he, like, he loved Harry's mom. He, like, really fucked up. This is a whole nother, like, relationship that is going to be the focus of another episode, Lily and Snape, so I won't get into it. But it was just like, 
that was weird to me. That was weird and like unnecessary. And so that was one thing. Two, like I would have been mad if my middle name was Severus. So then they play up this whole kind of thing about Al being in Slytherin and the rest of the family, James, and then Harry's little daughter, Lily, being it. What's her name, Lily? Was it Rose? Lily Rose? Or was Rose? See, I'm confusing. I think it was Lily because, like I said, Harry named every child he had after some significant person. And who would be more significant than Harry? Um, what female than, like, his mom? So we're going to assume that Lily, if it's not her first name, it's in there somewhere, okay? So... Al is the middle kid. Al is in Slytherin. Al is best friends with Draco Malfoy's son. And so he is just like as opposite Harry Potter as you can be. You know? He is like the side of Harry that if the if Harry had let the sorting hat put him into Slytherin, he would be Al. You know, like that's that's kind of like who he is. So there's a side of Harry that we can definitely see in Albus's personality. Probably like that, like I said, that flip side we would have seen if Harry had ended up in Slytherin. But this is the state of things today. And Al is in Slytherin and he is best friends with Harry's former arch nemesis, Draco Malfoy, who him and Draco still kind of got, they got like an uneasy kind of we cool, but also, you know, Draco is Draco. Like, he ain't really changed. He changed, but really, like, not too much. He's still kind of, like, a jerk. Okay, so, Harry and Al, listen, for lack of better terms or whatever, like, I'm just gonna say it, like, they, like, they don't fuck with each other. It is something... I cannot put my finger on. It's like Al hates living in famous Harry Potter shadow. Like Harry maybe kind of feels like, like, yo, why can't you be like your older brother who is basically like my dad and like me? Or, you know, like, why are you like this weird, moody, like emo wizard kid? Like Harry is not fucking rocking with it. And Al is just kind of like... I, like, want to do my own thing, and, like, everybody thinks Harry Potter is so great, but, like, yeah, like, your dad is famous, everybody loves him, everybody thinks he's amazing, and he, you're like, he is my dad, and he gets on my fucking nerves, and I'm sick of everybody telling me how great he is. I don't want to be like him, he don't fuck with me, I don't fuck with him, sick of it, and so I think, like, the issue surrounding this relationship with the fandom is that nobody wants to believe that Harry Potter is a bad dad or that Harry can't relate to his kid, that he just can't find a way. Because you watch Harry from a abused child, you know, grow into this really like great kid and friend and find this surrogate family and everybody loved him and he was always so caring and so daring and brave and you know you just when you have seen the evolution of this character from a young age up until 17 you know you are comfortable and familiar with him right and so this Harry that this lady presents to us in The Cursed Child. It's not the Harry that we know. But I say to you, people, I say to you, 
who is the same person that they were when they were 17? If you are around late 30s, early 40s, whatever, you have a family, a wife, you know, a job, a career, are you the same person that you were at 17? I doubt it. You know, and so now let's examine why Harry is not the same person he was at 17. It's because he's a grown up. He has all these different responsibilities. Why is Harry not a good dad? Harry did not have an example of a good father. Think about it. Up until the time Hagrid came and got him and told him he was a wizard, he was raised in a neglectful and abusive environment. Vernon Dursley was no good father figure to him. He treated him cruelly, with disdain. Um, And then even, it's not like he saw him even treating Dudley any better because, yes, he doted on Dudley. But we can make the argument that he, like, spoiled him. He overspoiled him, maybe. You know, he, we see a lot of times where Vernon making excuses for Dudley, where we see they flat out just ignore that at one point Dudley became like the biggest fucking bully in the neighborhood. Like he had his own gang. Like everybody was scared of him. You know what I'm saying? And his parents were just like, oh, my Duddy poo. So, you know, Harry really never had a good example of a father figure in those formative years. And then I know you're going to say, well, what about when he got to Hogwarts? He had, he had, okay, he had the memory of his dad, which um, until later in the series when he saw some of Snape's memories, his dad was the best. He was a hero. He was amazing, smart, charismatic, a Quidditch champion. He, you know, went up against Voldemort. Him and his mom, they were fighting on the side of good. So this one father figure you have is basically immortalized in perfection. Okay, so try and live up to that. Then you have, whom else? You have um, his godfather, whose name is escaping me right now. Come on, brain, brain. His name is Satan Azkaban. His name is Sirius Black. Jesus Christ. Sirius Black. Um, Sirius was a good guy. Again, he spent a lot of time being uh, mentally tortured (laughs) in Azkaban, so that had a bit of an effect on him. He desperately and terribly missed his best friend, so we know sometimes he kind of treated Harry like he was a surrogate for James, which is not, I mean, that's cool if you're looking for, like, a friend, but not a father figure. He did, like, he, listen, Black definitely was a father figure. And he showed Harry some very good traits, and I'm sure Harry learned a lot from him. But Sirius Black wasn't his father. He really didn't see him being a father to anybody else. And at the end of the day, Sirius, you know, he was a bit reckless. He was hot-headed. And um, I think we can kind of argue that, like, maybe even future Harry, even Harry when he was a kid, like, some of that rubbed off, you know? And even Harry now in The Cursed Child, we see as he's running off to fight dark wizards, can't even get his freaking paperwork done because he had to go do this or whatever. Like, he still kind of has, retains a little bit of that maybe youthful and immature, um, 
what do you call it? Uh, well, you can't control yourself. Impulsiveness. Okay. So then we go on to Lupin. Now, Lupin was a good, again, good man, great teacher, taught Harry uh, the Patronus charm, which saved his life in more than one on more than one occasion. But how do we see Lupin as a father? Well, first of all, um, he was slow to even marry Tonks. He was kind of, you know, Lupin is a motherfucking sad sack. Okay, I'm going to say it. Sorry. Yes, it was very difficult being a werewolf. That fucking sucked. But, like, Tonks loves him and wanted to marry him anyway. He tried to, like, talk her out of it. Then he found out she's pregnant and it's like... Yay, but then also he's super fucking worried, right? His kid is born. Then he fucking gets on some, like, he is trying to, he's telling Harry, like, yo, like, you need me to come out on the road with you and, like, do this thing, whatever this thing is. Like, I'm sure you're going to have, like, some magic you ain't encounter. You're going to need an adult wizard with more experience, like, I, like, I pledge my sword to you, my wand. I'm with you. And Harry was like, bro, wait a minute. Didn't you just have a son? And you trying to leave him to go run off and like do God knows what with me? You know, even in that in that moment when he asked Harry to be the kid's godfather and stuff, like Harry showed more maturity then than even Lupin was showing because he was afraid. You know, we know Lupin was scared. And, but anyway, he was trying to run away from his child and responsibility. And Harry, like, had to kind of bring him back to reality. And Lupin got mad. Like, he threw a spell at Harry. He was pissed, like, that he had talked to him that way. But, again, so this is somebody we're looking at as, like, a father figure. And Harry's like, oh, shit, this man tried to leave his kid. I had to talk him down. And then, I mean, listen, I am all for fighting evil or whatever. But both Lupin and Tonks died in the Battle of Hogwarts. You know? And they left their son. So, who else we got father figures? Dumbledore, don't even get me fucking started. He is nobody's daddy, okay? Like, we love Dumbledore. He is wise. He's he's fine. He's great. He's fine. Powerful wizard. As far as a father figure goes for Harry, I would say no, like more like a mentor. Like even Dumbledore had said like, oh, you know, he said he loved Harry and, you know, it was times where he didn't tell him certain things because, you know, it was really just because he loved him so much he wanted to spare him that. But again, I see Dumbledore as sort of a mentor because you really did put this boy on a very dangerous path with... Little information and some very um, important life-changing secrets and stuff you kept from him. Dumbledore was very private. Like, he did not share most of himself, his past, what he thought about. Like, outside of the trying to fight Voldemort stuff, like, Dumbledore did not connect with Harry. When Harry was reading portions of the autobiography in the Deathly Hallows and he's learning this stuff about Dumbledore's family, he's like, wait, what? Wait, huh? What? Huh? Lived in Godric's Hollow? What? His sister was a what? What? You know, it's just like, Spent all this time with this man. He never said nothing. 
You know, so it's like, are they close? And if Harry does see him as a father figure, well, he sees a father figure as keeping a kid kind of, you know, bringing them in, but also keeping them kind of at arm's length. Like, not sharing, you know, I'm really big on sharing mental space with your kid. Like, appropriately, like, letting them know what's going on in your head appropriately. Letting them know about your past and things that you've gone through and stuff like that. Like, Dumbledore was never about none of that. So, you know, those were the main, like, men in Harry's life. And then we have MVP, Arthur Weasley. Arthur Weasley. Let me put some respect on his name. Because Arthur Weasley was a great father figure for Harry to have. He was responsible. He protected his family. He loved them. He was intelligent. He was... A caring man, you know, he could be stern when he needed to be. Clearly, he loved his wife. Arthur Weasley is the father figure that Harry should have um, taken an example from of how you, you know, how you uh, conduct yourself as a husband, father, and a wizard. And I think a lot of that did rub off on Harry. But also, um, like, honestly, I think probably Harry maybe even saw himself as like, like, yeah, but I'm like, Arthur Weasley, I think, okay, this is weird to say. So, like, just follow me. It's like, he, Arthur Weasley was nice and, and sweet and, you know, good example or whatever. But also, his family, he did not make a lot of money. He did get a, a raise and I think a promotion at some point, but I still don't think they made, you know, like a lot of money. And I think for that reason, it may be seen, he may be seen as not as good as father or not a good role model or not as good of a whatever because his uh, financial ability or stability was, was kind of shaky. And I think that is more commentary just on society and the value that we place on money and how we see, though, um, in comparison, the Malfoys had all the money. And Lucius Malfoy was not very nice. He wasn't a nice man. It seems as though sometimes he wasn't a good dad. Like, he kind of pushed Draco a lot and he kind of... Uh, molded Draco into this really, like, spoiled, cruel boy. And, yeah, that's not cool, you know? So, Arthur Reesley was the father figure that Harry should have really maybe tried to model his fatherhood after, but it seems as though he is the type, the father that he is is some big amalgamation of all these men. And... The problem is, is that his middle child, his his very emo middle child, is so far from Harry, Harry's dad, anybody that Harry knew. And this amalgamation of father figures that Harry has kind of, uh, these different men that Harry has maybe modeled his fatherhood on, like, 
none of that matters. He just don't know how to relate to this boy. It's like, it's different. It's not as easy. It's difficult. And he don't know how. And it seems as though he doesn't even really want to try. It seems like it because it's too difficult for him. And he is important. Harry Potter, who is famous and a dark wizard hunter and everything about my life is, no, it's not perfect, but it is like the kind of perfect chaos that I like, except you, middle kid. Like, I I don't know how to relate to you. And I think what the fandom should get from this is like, again, you know, you grow up and we all think we all hope that we're going to be the best parents, that we're going to do everything right. We're going to do gentle parenting, or we're going to be an authoritative parent, or like whatever. We all think we're going to do it good and do it right and be fine. But you grow and you change and life does things to you. And you Sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, don't even grow into the person you think you will be. So I'm going to say, like, I think it's very immature of us to expect Harry to continue to be perfect into adulthood and just be like, oh, no, Harry Potter wouldn't be a bad father. Like, he wouldn't. Where did he learn how to be a good dad? Like, stuff like that, you do have to learn. Like, you need an example or you you need something. You need some sort of roadmap, some sort of person. You need something to help you. And in the way that Harry had little to fall back on when he started having these troubles with his son, you know, it would it would make me wonder about Harry's even coping mechanisms. You know, like you don't you don't have a set of tools to deal with adversity. So how is it same as Harry Potter when he has an argument with his wife? How does he act when he is not in agreement with somebody at work? How does he act like when you expect that? You know what? I don't know. I lost that train of thought. I actually I did. I was gonna say when you expect that everything will turn out right for you, which I guess is what well, not Harry expects the world to be right because he really did live through a lot of danger, but he came out on the other side of that. Also, with like the moniker of being the savior of the wizarding world, like, yo, I think Harry is a big motherfucking narcissist. Huge. You know, and everybody around him, like, buys into it except this middle kid. Like, he ain't going for it. He's like, I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't like you. I got issues with you. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that, you know, read it with the idea that Harry went through a lot as a kid. And think about what it could have done to his mental health. Think about the ways in which Harry didn't have the best role models um, of what fatherhood should look like. Think about the maybe maladaptive coping mechanisms he may have developed. I mean, we see seeds of it throughout. um, We see seeds of it throughout the series. Like, Harry would get, like, I remember, was it in book five? It was in book five when Hermione was trying to tell him, like, yo, hold on. 
slow down. Like you, what if Voldemort is trying to control your mind and make you think that he has serious, like just chill, like speaking just facts and common sense. And Harry was so, he was so gone in his head about, I have to save. He already had this, this view of like him, a kid as the savior of adult wizards. And I have to, and he just had to go like, you know, he did try to confirm that some other shit, but it's just like he, he wouldn't hear reason. He didn't care. He was going, you know, and it's just kind of like now blow that up into adulthood and imagine what type of person that is, you know? So, the point is, I totally see Harry having some difficulty relating to other people and relating to a son that he has the only the things that he has in common with his middle son are the things that he maybe even tried to like repress or ignore about himself or the things that he doesn't like about himself. So he has a hard time and I think that's like, that's real. And I think that's valid. And I think that we should take more, um, more heart in the fact that, you know, he did keep trying though. He, he didn't give up on his son. I mean, some wacky, like, Back to the Future type shit was happening in the story or whatever. But like, at the end, like, Harry was still, trying. He was still going to be there. And I think that is what we need to take away from the type of parent that Harry became. That even though he didn't have the best examples, he was really ill-equipped for the job, um, arguably. You know, they had some bumps, things were said, but he was still trying. Which is what, you know, that's that's all any of us can do. And I think that's something we need to realize as adults. Like, it may not be the best. It may look like fucked up at times. But at least we're still trying, you know? So Harry Potter may have grown to be, I won't even call him a bad dad, but a dad that struggles to communicate and to relate to his middle son and doesn't always do the best job. That's the kind of dad Harry became. Next relationship, Ron and Hermione in The Cursed Child. When I tell you, listen, strap the fuck in because we are going on a journey. A journey that started back at Hogwarts when Ron and Hermione probably even first met each other. Okay, like, listen. So we know that... Um, they, by book seven, like, we can tell that they are locked in. By the end of it, they're kissing at the Battle of Hogwarts. But throughout, we see that this relationship has really grown into more than they're just um, two best friends. And so they end up getting married. They end up having some kids. And we see signs that their marriage is... If it's not on the rocks, it's headed for the rocks. It's in choppy water and it's headed for the rocks, you know. Um, how do we see this? Well, think about it. Again, this is not Ron the kid. This is not Hermione the kid. These are adults. Hermione is the minister of magic. 
she is that bitch, okay, of the entire wizarding community. Well-deserved, I'm sure, you know? But also, Hermione is muggle-born. And I don't know how many muggle-born ministers of magic there have been, if there have been any. But we know that there are still people in the wizarding world, like prejudice against people born of muggle parents didn't just die with Voldemort. Just like racism in America ain't dead. You know what I'm saying? So there are still people who I'm sure feel that she is less than because of her parentage, right? So that's one thing to contend with. It was said that even uh, like Malfoy, that's why I say he's still like an ass. You know, he was saying and people were thinking the only reason why she got the job was because she is friends with famous Harry Potter. You know, yeah. You know, she was like in the trenches with Harry, Harry Potter's best friend. He, I'm sure he uh, endorsed her if they do that in the Wizarding World. But, you know, everybody knows Hermione and Harry is clicked up. You know what I'm saying? So he thinks like she got some, a boost in popularity because of her relationship with Harry. So as Minister of Magic, the smartest witch of her age, which means she's just the smartest witch. She is in control and we got two, two ways, reasons, two factors that people use to um, question her ability to do her job, even question how she became minister. So I'm sure that is not easy for her to have to deal with, okay? And so then we have her marriage to Ron. All right, now let's switch gears. Let's talk about Ron. Ronald Billius Weasley. Now, I like Ron, okay? Ron is a kid. Ron... As an adult, I don't know. Ron as a kid, Ron was like a fine character. He was cool. He was comic relief. He was a good friend, except for when he wasn't. <laughs> and like, but Ron was like real. It cannot have been easy being like Harry Potter's best friend, going on these adventures with him. But Harry got all like the glory when you and Hermione really were like right there. We all know like both of them would have been dead dead as doornails, if not for Hermione. Like, way back in Sorcerer's Stone, they would have been dead, honey. But, um, so it couldn't have been easy for Ron, right? But he was a good character. He's a good friend. He was okay. And now Ron was the last boy, the baby boy of the Weasley family, right? So we have his older brothers, Bill, Charlie, Percy, Fred, and George. Now, these five motherfuckers, when you talk about, like, doing, just being amazing, we got a Quidditch captain, head boy, prefects, um, works at the ministry for the minister of magic. We got, you know, one's a trains dragons, one... Breaks curses for green gods. Um, Bill end up marrying Fleur. Fred and George, like, everybody likes them. They're so funny. They're, like, adorable mischief makers. They're smart as fuck because they created all that 
Weasley's wizard wheezes stuff. So they know their magic shit. Like they are on their shit. Then we jump over Ron, go to Jenny, Geneva Weasley. And Jenny ended up playing professional Quidditch when she left Hogwarts. So like all these kids are like amazing in their own right. They're doing their own thing, except like Ron. You know, like Ron was just an average, maybe sometimes below average student. Um, he played Quidditch fine enough, but as we know, like even there was somebody better to be a seeker. I mean, not seeker, keeper, but Hermione like cheated for him in the tryouts. But what else? It's just like it's just like Ron is just like perfectly average, you know? And that's fine, except for when you are in a family of above average motherfuckers. And when you are friends with the most famous motherfucker in all of wizarddom. So, I mean, Ron is like, like walking self-esteem issues, okay? So, now, Ron, walking self-esteem issues. Nothing, and when I say nothing special about him, I mean like in comparison to the rest of what like his family was doing, you would say, like I said, Ron was just perfectly average, which was fine. If it, if he had not been Harry's best friend, right-hand man, like, Ron would have just, he would have become his dad. He would have had a job at the Ministry of Magic that would have been just fine for him. He would have married a witch, had some kids, just been an average, cool, like, fine. And that is fine. Except, again, when you're in a family of above-average people and you're best friends with the most famous boy wizard in forever. So now, as an adult, you know, Battle of Hogwarts, Fred gets killed. Who knows what that did to George? Who knows what it meant for the business? But we know that as an adult now... Um, Ron runs Weasley's Wizard Weezes. So it's like, okay, after they defeat Voldemort, like, what is there to do? Like, it's time to grow up. Of course, Harry's going to go on and become, like, a dark wizard hunter, you know? And of course, Hermione is super smart. She went whatever the route you needed to go through to be Minister of Magic. And it's like, Ron, well, you know, unfortunately, Fred passed away. Like, the recipes for the the stuff probably already made. Or Fred probably just, you know, comes up with the new jokes and gags and the devices and stuff. So he handles the magic part. Maybe Ron just handles the business. He just, like, slid in. Like, there's nothing else for me to do. I may as well just slide into this kind of ready-made position that's right here. Which, to me, fine. Perfect. You're running an empire. Like, they were big shit. You know, I think Zonko's had gone out of business or something, or they were just better than Zonko's. They had a um, a wizard uh, joke shop in Diagon Alley. They were looking to put one in Hogsmeade. So, Ron is running this joke empire, but it's, like, not something he chose for himself. It's just like, well, your older brother passed away. Your other brother needs some help. I mean, what else was you going to do? You can't keep running with Harry for the rest of your life. 
Or maybe he thought he could. And maybe he was thrust into this job as um, running the family business. And he really didn't want to. Maybe he did want to hunt dark wizards with his best friend. Like, they never left Hogwarts and keep having adventures. But he had to do this for the family instead. Maybe he's resentful. You know, it could be a lot of things going on with Ron. But the combination of whatever's happening with Ron and Hermione being that bitch, Minister of Magic, is not meshing well for their marriage, you know? And it, it you would think that it would, right? You would think that it would because they've known each other for so long. Kids up through adulthood, like, really was down in the trenches together getting it out the wizard and mud, you hear me? But, but, Hermione has been remarkable the entire time Ron has known her, okay? Like, always. Nobody thought Hermione was going to be a bum or a fall off. So now, even into adulthood, where, yeah, we're married, the smartest witch, the most intelligent, the most logical, brilliant witch chose you. Y'all chose each other. Y'all are together. You run a joke empire, and that's good. But it's just like, for him, it's not enough. I feel like Ron with his self-esteem issues, like it's not enough for him. And I don't think he feels happy or fulfilled in his position, in his life, with what he's doing right now. And Hermione, for her part, is going through the stress of being the minister of magic, the stress of being muggle-born and what people say about that, what people say about Harry not about Harry being her best friend. So basically grumblings about her being not really qualified for the job when I'm sure she is overqualified. You know what I'm saying? And now you have trouble with your marriage because your husband's insecure because you are the minister of magic. You are you continue to be Amazing, like you've always been amazing. But this is a problem because Ron maybe doesn't feel amazing. He doesn't feel as amazing as his wife. So what's the solution? I don't know. But I can tell you what starts happening. We hear like Hermione saying, you know, like she's sneaking, eating some candy. And she's, oh, don't tell Ron I'm eating these sweets or whatever, I guess. I don't know if my girl didn't put on a couple pounds or if for whatever reason they're not eating sweets. I I don't fucking know. But it's like the fact that this woman is saying like, yeah, oh, don't tell Ron or like, you know, yeah, this is something that, you know, Ron's going to get on me about or whatever. It's like, really? Like I'm in control of the entire wizarding world. Like, I can't have, like, a motherfucking, like, chocolate frog. Like, I can't have some birdie bots, every flavor beans. Really? Because why? Let me tell you why. Because Hermione felt like, listen, I got it. I'm Minister of Magic. Okay? Like, I'm cool. I got everything. I fell in love with my best friend, what could be better? We're going to get married, have some kids. Like, I got it all. I married my best friend, HBIC. 
good. But then she looks at her best friend because Ron is not just her husband, but like legit best friends first. And she knows he's not happy because it is difficult for him feeling unfulfilled. Yeah, I'm running this joke shop. I don't fucking like this joke shop. This is not what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. You know, he just don't know. But it's hard for him and it's hard for her. And so she is trying, how can I make him happy? I am so much. She's so much that she tries to diminish herself now. To make Ron feel like, oh, you have some control over something. See, I'm listening to you. I'm not eating this candy. Or see, you can hold me accountable for this. Like, even I minister in magic, like, and I know, listen, I know. You're like, what? What is this? But follow me. Because this is the issue that comes up in marriages, especially now where you have a woman that outperforms or out-earns a man, and you think, oh, perfect example. We can think about Kiki Palmer. Follow me. This is still Harry Potter, but I just want to bring a real-life example of this kind of into it so you can see what I'm saying. So, yes, Kiki and her man were not married, but they were dating, serious relationship. They have a baby. So, as a woman, you think, like, listen, I got everything I'm my own bitch. I got my own money. I got my own career. I don't need. I am good. I'm good. Now I can just go and find a man that loves me. We can just be in love. We don't, we can skip all the like the insecurity and all the craziness about do I really love him? Is it for his money? I ain't trying to like get nobody to take care of me. Like, y'all, you can have your own, take care of yourself. I got my own, take care of myself. When we come together, it's beautiful, right? Same thing with Hermione and Ron. Hermione, I got it all. And I get to marry my best friend. Like, this is cool. We can just be best friends and in love and raise a family and not have to worry about anything, right? But the man feels insecure because of that. Because you say, I don't need you, but I want you. I choose you. I want you. To them, I think, well, I won't say to them. The woman tells you, like, I got everything else I need, I got everything else I want. Like, I am good, complete. I'm educated. I'm, you know, all the things that that woman wants to be complete, she got that. Then she says, like, so I want you now to be in my life, to be my partner. I have everything I need. It's all set up. I'm even willing to share with you if that's the case or whatever. I just need you to be, like, in love with me. I need you to take care of me, like, emotionally, like, we're just going to be in love. That's all we have to be. Everything else is good. We can just be in love. But men hear that as, oh, you don't need me, but you want me. Oh, well, I need to make you need me. Because if you just want me, you can get rid of me. Or it could be over or whatever. And then, like, crazy town starts. You know, when you start trying to diminish someone or tear down their self-esteem or let's try to control little things or, you know, whatever to try to feel like if it weren't for me, like, I need to make this person need me. Because then that would make, that would make you feel more secure. 
And all of that is wacko bananas. You know what I'm saying? So I think that is a bit of what Hermione and Ron are going through. And it's difficult for them because how do you, I don't know, how do you as a man communicate to your woman like, I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't like, I felt in the shadow, like constantly in the shadows, constantly in his brother's shadow, still in his dead brother's shadow, in his best friend's shadow. And now he comes home and he's in his wife's shadow. You know? And for better or worse, it's just, it maybe seems like like he doesn't handle that well. And Hermione, who, again, before this was your husband, this is your best friend. Imagine you know your best friend is not coping. And you're trying to do whatever you can to help them. But in this situation, I'm also your wife. So how can I, as a wife, make you feel as a husband that like you are needed, you are wanted, you're appreciated, you're, well, I have to give you some power and control. I'm not, listen, I don't know if that's what you got to do. I don't know. I say go to therapy, but the point is these relationships are adult relationships. These are not kid relationships just in grown-up bodies. And I think that she did a good job of showing how, again, you are not the same person that you were at 17 that you are 20 or 25 years later. That, you know, she showed, like, life will come at you fast. And you end up in positions you never thought you would be in. You can end up being a person you never thought you would be. And then what do you do? How do you recapture who you are? You know, you could end up with a kid that you have difficulty with. You don't relate to. You can end up in a marriage that is problematic, troubled, on the rocks, is difficult. Like, what are you going to do? What do you do? So I think what we can take out of, like, who these characters evolved into, like, I I think it would have made for more a more enjoyable read if everything with Harry and Ron and Hermione and their, like, personal lives, everything was just perfect. It would have felt more like, oh, not that, that like, their lives were perfect in the original seven books. But it would have felt more like, yeah, they went through all that in their, like, adolescence, and then they came out, and they all are just, like, good. Like, they're just good. And the thing is, listen, we all went through shit in our adolescence, and we get here to adulthood, and sometimes we are not good. Everything is not okay. You think you get everything you've been wanting and working for, and then shit is still not good. Like, some aspect or several aspects of your life are still like, yo, what is going on? So I think that if we take these books more, um, if we think about them maybe more realistically, like, the ways that we all have grown and changed and evolved and not into perfect people, not into people who have everything all figured out, not always the best parent, 
the best friend, the best spouse. I mean, Harry was not only being like a shitty kind of daddy at times, like he wasn't being a good friend to Hermione either. Like he worked under her and it's like, can you like get your work done? Like why I got to tell you, like, come on. Like, we're friends, but I'm still the minister of magic. Like, respect me. Hermione is constantly, I feel like she would be constantly having to fight for respect or make people respect her, honor her position. Um, And again, like, that's difficult for her. When you know you are the smartest, brightest, most intelligent, you got, she's a good person. I'm trying to go for, you know, what's in the best interest of everybody. I'm trying to keep people safe. I'm not trying to be, like, a weirdo, like, like censoring some some issues coming up with her, like, keeping some books back. And should she really, or should the kids be allowed to like read these like really horrible books, books that even Dumbledore, I think had taken out of the library and then like she had them in her office or something at the ministry. But, um, you know, she is struggling and I can imagine someone who is used to straight A's getting almost everything at the first time you try it and tried it being good at everything i can imagine that her struggling now with her marriage struggling with you know difficulties in her professional life um whatever like i said her marriage troubles whatever's going on with her and ron and then I mean, too, just, like, imagine, like, Hermione is really isolated to me. Who does she have to talk to? Like, yeah, Harry and Ron are your best friends, but your best friend is also your husband, and the problem that you're having is with your husband. So, oh, let me go talk to my other best friend. Oh, also my husband's best friend. Let me go talk to my best friend's wife. Oh, my husband's sister. You know, and it's just... and. I I know I don't think like, uh, but also that was teenager Jenny who you know you sh- Hermione before Ron was dating and she yeah you can talk shit about Ron they would like fucking bust on him together or whatever but like now it's like we're adults this is my brother and this is your husband like who knows we don't know the type of what type of person Jenny would be if she would be open to talking about you know her marriage troubles with her sister-in-law I don't I don't know but Hermione may be lacking like a good support system of somebody that she can just totally be honest with about everything that she's going through thinking feeling experiencing like she is in a unique position. And who does she have? Who does she have to have these difficult conversations with? So I would even say she may be struggling from not having much of an emotional outlet. Ron does not seem very... I mean, he seemed like he he just don't be getting it. Like if she was trying to talk to him about the shit. Maybe he does. You know, or maybe he can say enough of the right things. But I think my girl is struggling. I think my guy Ron is struggling. I think Harry is struggling. I think they are all struggling. And again, watching them 
reading them grow up or, you know, watching the movies, however you did it, what else. And like seeing that when they got to adulthood, it wasn't just good. Like everything wasn't like, oh, just all good now. Like I actually really like that about Cursed Child. Because ain't that like kind of like what we all going through? Like you grow up and you just think when I get here, when I become an adult, when I am working, when I'm driving, when I get a car, when I get my education, I said working, driving, when I get a car, when I am, when I have all these things, when I've surrounded myself with whatever the things are to you that are of value that will mean or signify to you like the end of strife or that you have reached some goals that you have for yourself. And when you reach those places and you look around and you're like, yo, it's still not good. Like I'm still like, and that's because it's, it's because like life, y'all. It's because life. You cannot predict it. You can hope and wish and pray and dream, and you cannot predict it. You can't predict how anybody else will act. Um, and I think like as long as you remain flexible and open-minded, you know, maybe you can start to try to mold your life that you have into the one that you want. But I also think it takes a lot of communication with the people you care about, friends and family. It takes a lot of insight. It takes a lot of you thinking about your motivations and your thinking. And so I see Cursed Child as a good representation of adulthood, fucking sucking. It's it like, sometimes it really sucks. Sometimes it's really good. And sometimes it's, it really sucks. And wanting our favorite characters to have a perfect life is not going to help us deal with the reality of the suckage of adulthood any better. I think maybe showing that they too are flawed still having trouble, but they keep trying. I think that's the better lesson to take. And then also just like, um, I mean, the Ron and Hermione relationship to me is so fucking fascinating and so interesting because it just like, too, like, I think it kind of shows women that like, okay, it don't show you that no matter what you do, it's not going to work. It doesn't show that. Kind of does. Doesn't. But like, I think that we need to understand that there was never anything wrong with us from the beginning. We never had to wait to get to a certain point to attain a certain thing. And I think the relationship between Ron and Hermione is so fascinating because, you know, in her... uh, highly logical thinking and in her being just like completely fucking brilliant. I don't know if she accounted for the fact that like, yeah, I'm going to be this brilliant badass bitch and like my husband's going to have a problem with it. You know, because I think that these 
types of women feel like them being strong and independent is a plus. So my final thoughts on Cursed Child is that like, okay, first, I don't, whatever comes out, Harry Potter, that is like consumable to my ear holes or my eyeballs, like I'm looking at it, I'm reading it, I'm engaging with it, okay? Like I'll at least give it a chance, anything. So any content that comes out of that Harry Potter workshop place, I'm watching. But I do think Cursed Child was a bit off base in the story. I think the story could have been better. It could have been like a better story. Um, But I think what it gets right is the evolutions of these characters and the, the complexity of the relationships and how it's like, it's not just, it's not simple. It's not Harry Potter as a 17-year-old just grown up into adult body. Well, actually, like, actually, you know what? Some of it is, but that's the fucking problem, that he's still 17 years old, like, in this grown-up body running around like you ain't got, like, a whole fucking kid you need to figure out. You know what I'm saying? So, and I just, like, I didn't like, it seemed like Jenny took a lot of, like, a backseat to Harry with, like, the parents and like I don't know I ain't like that I ain't like that like I don't know Harry might not be a good the best husband either. I don't know I don't know I don't know I have to read it again so maybe when I read it again maybe I'll have even more thoughts more thoughts more Harry okay let me stop from being silly okay but um yeah so I think she grew the characters up right and in a way that we may not like, because they look very unfamiliar, but a lot of us don't recognize ourselves from the people that we used to be. So, you know, we deal with it. We try. And, like, that's it. That's my, those are my initial thoughts on the relationships in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And, I can't wait to talk about this stuff more. It's going to be more and more. No, let me stop. Okay, so those are my thoughts. My initial thoughts on some of the important relationships in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And I would encourage you that if you did grow, especially if you grew up with the series or you just follow Harry from a child and and to now, like, and you hate it, Cursed Child, read it again and kind of, like, keep in mind some of the stuff I said. Like, read between the lines, get a feel for the relationships, kind of think about um, how things could be so difficult for certain characters and see if you still feel the same way about the hate for it. Aside from, like, the story stuff, the the story is... Don't like it, that, that, that. But the character development, read it again, think about it, see if your thoughts change, and let me know on the socials, on Instagram, on Twitter, True Opinion Podcast, True Opinion Show. All right, till next time. Bye, y'all. <laughs>